Welcome to Road to the Oval Office, a podcast hosted by Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. Uh, my name is Blake Rutherford, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Mark Alderman, the CEO of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, and Howard Schweitzer, the managing partner of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. Uh, guys, welcome to our uh, inaugural podcast um, about the... Blake, it's 2000- not the inauguration yet. <laughs> <laughs> about the 2016 uh, presidential race. But it um, is good to be here. Yeah, it, it is. It is It is good on the date. Last time I saw Howard, it was in Ohio. That's right. It's, <laughs> it's, it is, good to be here. It's day one of the Democratic National Convention. We The Republicans have come and gone from Cleveland. Uh, we're starting to see a little bit of data coming out of coming out of Cleveland. Trump got a little bit of a bounce among um, some key demographic groups for him, um, and the Democrats, uh, who 48 hours ago uh, were preaching unity, 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 uh, no longer have uh, the uh, chairman of of the Democratic National Convention and the chair of this convention um, in place. Although she said she's going to step down. Afterwards, but symbolism being what it is, for all intents and purposes, Debbie Wasserman Schultz uh, is no longer in charge of the DNC. Uh, before we get to that, <laughs> I want to come. I do want to come back and recap Cleveland a little bit. You were both there. You both um, saw what took place in the hall, what was going on outside of Cleveland. I just thought I might get some kind of final thoughts. Um, Howard, I'll start with you. Just final thoughts on Cleveland. Well. Like, uh, I would describe it as generally low energy. Uh, the, the hall was flat most of the time. Yeah. Fairly fired up for, for Trump at the end. Um, but gosh, did he speak for too long. He, um, he went on about 30 minutes longer than he should have. People were starting to fidget. People that were there to people that had been waiting a year to see him speak in that hall were uh, were bored. Um, so he went on too long. Um, it was an aggressive speech, obviously. Um, you know, I I, I think it, that wasn't the Republican convention. That was the Trump convention, and that's kind of the beginning and the end of it. Yeah, Mark, what did you think? Well, about first and foremost about Cleveland. Hats off to Cleveland. Seriously. Cleveland, the city, was awesome. Awesome. After all the fear of new Black Panthers and open carry, it was as safe as any place I've ever been. It was an arm camp, but that was good. (laughs) That was good. Every single person Every single cop, every single person working for the convention, every single person is friendly and helpful. And kudos to Cleveland. We now need to replicate that. Inside the hall, yeah, it, it was what Howard said. I thought it, it was a flat convention. I think a convention needs to do, tries to do two fundamental things. One is fire up the base. The other is reach out beyond the base and expand the electorate. I don't see any evidence that the electorate got expanded a molecule by that convention. I'll just just leave it there. In terms of firing up the base, sure. I, I think the base got fired up a little and then put to sleep and then fired up a little and then put to sleep. But, Blake, 
it's 2016. Every rule has been suspended by this guy, Trump, and everybody sat out there, all, all of we geniuses, all of us geniuses, and said, oh, this is a mess of a convention. He's not going to get his balance. It's good for the Democrats. And sure enough, we were wrong. Right. A little bounce, two points, but a bounce is a bounce. And that brings us to the Democrats. <laughs> and that brings that brings us to the Democrats. Um, uh, you know, as I as I as I sort of said in my in my introductory comments, you know, this is the Democrats very much had hoped that Philadelphia would be the unity convention. It's something we've been hearing about since Bernie Sanders endorsed Hillary, since the president came out and endorsed Hillary, and now when um, this. The schedule was released a little while ago. Michelle Obama speaking on the first night and really her first big pro-Hillary speech. So unity is where the Democrats were headed. And then WikiLeaks decides to dump a treasure trove of emails um, about the DNC and some very, very harsh comments um, the DNC staffers had about Bernie Sanders. Um, it, we knew there was a hack. Months ago, we didn't know what was in the hack. Um, now we do, at least to a degree. I'm not suggesting I've read or seen all these emails. But it has caused ripples throughout the Democratic Party insofar as it has dominated the news cycle. It is the headline today in the New York Times. And Debbie Wasserman Schultz has stepped down as chair sort of the of. NC. Yeah, sort of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She has is, she is announced that in... At the end of the convention, she was stepped down. Uh, Donna Brazil is is taken over as the honorary chair of of the DNC. Um, Mark, I, these kinds of things tend to happen to the Democrats, but it also, I'll admit, I, I think Howard's going to have a different perspective. Boy, this just sort of feels a little like inside baseball to me. Um, well, but I, I, what do you make of this? Yeah. I would say, Blake, all of the above, honestly. There is so much going on in this simple story. There's a very serious dimension of this, which is that there seems to be evidence that the hack was accomplished by Russian agents, and somehow the hacked emails made their way to WikiLeaks and were released the day before the convention. That's very serious. And that will be, I am sure, investigated. There is also the fact that when everything seemed to be going well between her and him, Hillary and Bernie, these unfortunate and inappropriate, just flat out inappropriate emails pop up, and that has put some friction back into that relationship, and and that is unfortunate. But at the same time, I, I think I agree with you. It's, just said this to Howard, it's Will Rogers. I'm not a member of any organized party. I'm a Democrat. We always seem to be doing stuff like this, and I do believe that this will not be the story of this convention, although unfortunately it is the story today until Bernie speaks. Right. 
once Bernie speaks tonight, and God knows what he's going to say, but once Bernie speaks tonight, we're going to have a different story tomorrow. Howard, what do you make of this? I mean, look, on one level, Debbie was always going to be the sacrificial lamb. She, she, she's like the Thanksgiving turkey, actually. She's, they've been prepping her for months yeah. um, uh, to take, take the fall um, to preserve peace in the party. In one way or another, she, she was, was going gone. down. So from that point of view, it's just accelerating the inevitable. Um, but look, I think it's serious. Some of the things that were in those emails were were serious and offensive. And you better believe that the guy on the other side, it plays right into the narrative about um, the system being rigged, the game being rigged. And soon enough, I think Trump will, will have a name for, uh, for Debbie. <laughs> um, it, it plays right into that narrative. And so I do think it's not going to hurt the convention, but it's going to hurt. It's going to come back to haunt Hillary. That's that's my perspective. It was. It's also. I agree with that. And just on a visceral level, the fact that it was emails. Enough, enough about emails, emails already. If it had been telephone records, it might have been different. But e- emails are a symbol of all that you're saying, Howard. And and we just don't need any more emails at this point. I mean, since when is it news to people that something you put in an email might right. become public? And what is the deal? Like, you got to be smarter than this. It's, it's inexcusable from that perspective. It's just bad judgment. And it's not on any one person, although Debbie's in charge. But um, it's just enough is enough. Well, you, you you sort of led me to, to my next sort of question mark, which is both sort of a preview of what we're going to see tonight and then the magnitude of Bernie Sanders' speech. Because he has been not only in the last couple of weeks a, a, a very forceful advocate for Hillary Clinton, he also, despite drawing some political contrasts, endorsed her vice presidential choice, Tim Kaine, which we... We'll get to eventually. We're talking about Debbie Wasserman Schultz, and there was another big announcement um, yeah. that that just is not in the news. Um, but but Bernie's Bernie and Michelle Obama are our uh, you know primetime speakers tonight, day one in Philadelphia. Um, uh, what do you think Bernie's really going to say about this, Mark? What do you? I think Bernie is going to say what he has been saying the last couple of weeks. He is committed to doing everything he can to prevent Donald Trump from becoming president. He has made that abundantly clear, and he has been true to his word, and we are going to hear that again tonight. That's different than an enthusiastic embrace of Hillary Clinton as the next president of the United States. And I think you're going to feel that yin and yang, feel that burn, (laughs) exactly. And we'll, we'll see. It will be, I'm very confident, on balance, a good speech for the party, a positive speech for Clinton's candidacy, but it isn't going to be an embrace. And Bernie is is playing a bigger game than just the presidential election, as though there is a bigger game to play. But in his mind, 
the revolution is being televised tonight in his speech, and he is going to try to keep that alive. So it, it's not going to be a Ted Cruz speech, but it isn't going to be a, a Chris Christie speech either. Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, yesterday in, in Philadelphia, we did have uh, a large number of, of Bernie Sanders delegates march in protest of, of Hillary. Um, and uh, now we're hearing that delegates are being called into the hall very early today um, in anticipation of um, potentially, you know, what we always like to describe in convention land is floor fights, but it's not hopefully physical. We're just going to we're going to get after it intellectually uh, over the platform, maybe over the rules. You know, who, who really knows? Um, but it, Mark, you've been to so many of these. Do, do you think that, that the events over the last 24 hours are going to cause some disruption in the hall today? Do you think some Bernie delegates are going to use this as a mechanism to just sort of express whatever's on their mind? Well, yes, is the short answer. Yeah. Yes, but, but in two different ways. If Debbie speaks, that's going to be bad. <laughs> that yeah. is going to be a problem. There will be booze. It will be, the, it'll be our version of Ted Cruz. Uh, Debbie, as you all know, is a friend, and I admire the work she has done as chair, although she put a fork in there, as Howard said, she had to go, but she should not be speaking. She should not be speaking. That is not going to go well. But but also, Blake, there is an actual, as you know, because you're a delegate and you're going to vote on this, there is an actual issue that the Sanders supporters intend to bring before the committee on superdelegates, because the Rules Committee entertained a Sanders motion to abolish superdelegates and voted it down, but there were enough votes for it that it's a minority position and it can be brought to the floor. I expect it will be. I don't mean to tell you how to do your job, but boy, I would give away that superdelegate position in a heartbeat with everything that's going on. Yeah. Having a fight on the floor over superdelegates could not play more into, as Howard said a minute ago, Donald Trump's narrative that it's all rigged against him and Bernie. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Give it up, Blake. Yeah, give, give up <laughs> the super. Well, we'll we'll see. Actually, have actually have something something to to, to really think about, Mark. I'm, I'm going to do you proud. I hope, uh, Howard. I mean, in the in the sense of what what this convention intends to achieve. You, you said earlier um, you don't think that, that the the DNC, the Debbie Wasserman story overshadows the convention. Do they move past it with Bernie's speech, or does or, or does this linger? I, mean, I, I don't think anyone cares really, other than Bernie's supporters, what what Bernie says. And yes, I think they move past it. I think you know he gives whatever speech he gives. He's not going to get up there and. Um, shellac Hillary because he doesn't want to see Trump elected president. So he's in a little bit of a bind. Um, at the end of the day, this convention is about getting elected president of the United States. She needs votes. This is about votes. Um, who cares what happens here? 
What matters is what happens in November. And I think she does still have a long way to go to convince Bernie's supporters to pull the lever for her in, in November. Well, it's interesting because one of the things that, that we've talked about in our in our calls, and, and it's great that we've transitioned out of the podcast format, one of the things that we talked about is how Hillary Clinton expands her base. Uh, we know where she's strong. We know where she's weak. Um, and uh, over the weekend, although we're just not talking about it as much, she did announce and then appear with her vice presidential nominee, Senator Tim Kaine from Virginia, someone um, we know who is accomplished across every sector. And, and the, the response to that seems to be favorable across the board, bipartisan accolades for, for Senator Kaine joining the ticket. Their, their appearance um, together seemed to be a lot more dynamic than I think um, the, the pundits and uh, thought that it would be. Um, but we're, we're not talking about him today. Um, what do you think that pick does for the ticket, Mark? Um, where's it, where, where is it helpful and, and where is it maybe not so much? So I'm a big dissenter from the idea that the vice presidential pick matters much unless you blow it. Sarah Palin was a problem for John McCain after she wasn't. First she went up, then somebody asked her a question, and that was the end of that. So that's that's a problem if it's a problem. Tim Kaine is not a problem. By the way, Mike Pence isn't a problem. Right. I think neither pick is going to move the needle much at all. This is about Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. But I think the Kaine pick is very significant for Hillary Clinton because she likes him and she's comfortable with him, and he is going to make her a better candidate, and that could be worth a point or two in a close election. Otherwise, I I don't see this being much of a a movement. Howard, what do you think about the Kane pick? I think it was good. Um, It's a couple of things. One is, I think you're right, Mark, doesn't screw anything up, the first do no harm principle, but... I, I do believe that it's being, um, I, I think it's a couple things. One, he's a, he's a white guy, and maybe he makes some of the quote-unquote, you know, that demographic out there that may be going one way or the other more likely to, to go for Hillary, more comfortable going for Hillary, and it's Virginia. You know, I don't buy into this, Mark. I'm sorry. He, she likes him. I don't buy into this. It's the governing choice. The vice president doesn't really govern. It's ceremonial until the president gets in a bad situation that we hope never happens. But And, and she doesn't know him well enough to like him or not like She doesn't know him well enough. She hasn't worked with him. I mean, yes. They've, they've been senators together or whatever, but come on. This is a political pick. Everything that happens in a campaign is political. And she made a political calculation, I think primarily um, based on Virginia and white male voters, that he was a good pick. And that's what this well, is about. I don't disagree with the Virginia part. I stand by thinking that 
he makes her a little bit better candidate. But set that aside, there was something that happened last week in Virginia that is actually very significant because Governor McAuliffe's executive order permitting several hundred thousand rehabilitated felons to vote was overturned by the Virginia Supreme Court. That's a big deal. Presumably the majority of those voters, had they shown up, were going to be for Hillary and not uh, for Trump. And I think Virginia got a little closer with that court decision. And I do think Tim Kaine helps in Virginia. So sure, no, no question, yeah. it's all political. And the fact that he speaks Spanish is cool, helps a little bit. He oh, did a, a good plus. job down in Florida. Plus. But at the end of the day, uh, it's about him and her. And I think uh, I think Tim Kaine and Mike Pence are not going to be much of a story this cycle. No, they're not. But I think it does show that she knows she's in for a fight. Oh, she yeah. did not make an edgy pick in no. terms of well, Mike Trump's pick of the progressive Pence. side of the agenda, which is fine by me. But I think yeah. it shows that she knows she's in for a fight. She knows she's in for a fight. She did, she didn't know it when she picked him on Friday. She found out yesterday yeah. that she is in for a fight. But also, I think. That Trump picking Pence freed up Hillary to do something like this. She didn't have to think about a bold pick, a woman, a Latino, an African-American. Had Trump done something like that, she would have had to think harder about that. I I think uh, Pence made this an easy pick. Well, we'll hear from... Kane, it's looking like we'll, we'll hear from him maybe Wednesday night, um, although that hasn't been announced yet, but traditionally that's that's when that works. Um, I, I want to sort of wrap up really with your with, with your thoughts about um, about what you expect on day one. What are you what are you really looking for um, out of out of day one at the convention, Mark? Well, I believe Bloomberg is going to speak today. Is this his day? Well, for one thing, my first prediction about the convention's already been proven wrong. So I was very proud to tell my daughter, actually, yesterday, there were 10 billionaires who addressed the Republican National Convention. There are zero billionaires addressing our convention. And of course, that's now wrong, because <laughs> Bloomberg is speaking, if not today, then And then he has more day. money than all the other ones and he put has, together. And, yeah, so I, I'm already 0 for 1. With that caveat, <laughs> what I expect today is a great appearance and speech by the First Lady, who is on all sides of this thing going on in that hall, respected and and beloved, I believe. I think she is going to do a lot to calm everything down and bring everybody together. And, and I'm rooting for Bernie and I'm betting on him. I think we're going to be in better shape at the end of his speech than at the beginning. Howard, day one? Same. Um, you know, I think the Debbie controversy will rage. I, look, I, I think in, in 2016, these conventions, and we saw it last week, Mark, in Cleveland, I think obviously we'll see the same thing today. These are as much or more, they're more about the media show than they are about anything. Yeah, four fights, blah, blah, blah. It's all about the media. 
and um, the media is going to perpetuate the, the controversy because that's what draws viewers. So I think we'll, we'll continue to see that. I think you're right. Michelle will get up and give a great speech. I think Bernie will come and go. Um, and it'll be on to Bill Clinton tomorrow. But interestingly, I'm sure you, you guys saw this. Despite record viewership during the Republican primaries, the Republican convention actually had flat viewership or even depending on how you count, was a little down from 2012. So yeah, it's just a TV studio and it's all a media yeah. extravaganza, but there weren't even that many people interested. And and I don't expect record viewership of this, this either. Most, as far as we can tell in our bubble here, most people out there are just tired of all this. And I, I don't think we're gonna get record viewership here even though history is being made, lover, hater, thinks she should be president, thinks she should be in jail, as we heard a lot about in Cleveland, it's going to be historic on Thursday night when the first woman candidate of a major party accepts a nomination. It's going to be interesting to see what Trump does this week to try to steal the media cycle away from Hillary. That's what I'm watching for. Yeah, yeah the Republican response versus the Democrats' response. with uh, Putin. <laughs> that would be appropriate given well, what's I, going on. That would certainly steal the spotlight. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll uh, we'll I be back. Watch for that. That's my prediction. <laughs> well, we'll be we'll be back tomorrow, um, guys. Always great to be with you. Thanks uh, for listening to Road to the Oval Office, and um, look forward to talking uh, day two of the convention from Philadelphia tomorrow. Great. Thanks, Thanks Blake. Thanks.